Good evening. This evening's Dharma talk is, the topic is uh, Dhyana Paramita Samadhi, meditation, shine, calm abiding, resting in tranquility, la 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 la, on and on, all kinds of names for what, but train your mind. And what are we doing when we're training the mind? We are slowing way down and we are turning our attention away from this and that and up and down and back and forth and analysis. And what we're doing is we're taking all of that paraphernalia that arises as uh, the contents of our life, our life stream, our family, our job, our relatives, thought patterns, ideas, and so on. And we're going to, you could say, set that aside. And we're going to, uh, I guess you could even say, we're going to uh, socially distance from society. We're going to step away from that and sit down in front of something that is flat and ordinary, called a wall. Sit down, look at the wall. We don't stare at the wall. Sometimes people say, hey, well, I stared at the wall all day today. And I said, well, that was a big mistake. No, I wouldn't say that because I wouldn't want the person to uh, feel bad. <laughs> I know you don't think that's funny, but I do. One really good way to laugh is tell yourself a joke. So Dhyana, meditation, paramita, crossing over the the, 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 the meditation that is crossed over. So, so we have to find find some way. The teachers, the teachers in these lineages, the lineages that understand this, have worked, spent their life, and have found a, an understanding that transcends the the whole relative idea, and they want to talk about it. So, uh, as was talked about when we talked about uh, Kishan, um, Kishanti, yes, Kishanti Paramita, Anupadaka Dharma Kishanti, unproduced. It's it's not a kind of, uh, not only a, a, a generosity or or discipline or patience or vigor, that is a produced situation. It has that aspect uh, to begin with, and then it begins to um, be unproduced. And that's something you do, it's something you are. So it's not an activity. It's something you actually are that. This was taught in all kinds of different ways. I was taught, my initial instruction that I got was Shikantaza actually by uh, um, Dainan Katagiri Roshi in uh, Minneapolis in the early 70s. So sit down, hold still, look at it. And then I began to study with Trunk Rinpoche. Actually, I studied a little bit with his uh, community before then. And lots of different ways, mindfulness awareness or uh, Tibetan is a shine and lakton or mind, and then opening up to an open dimension, a more kind of a controlled way of doing it where you have a, an object of meditation, could be your breath, could be a particular thought, could be a mantra, could be a visualization, could be a combination of those. It might be following the breath and, and returning to the breath. It's very simple and it's it's not too bad. It's at least not at least it is not super complicated. But it tends to create an observer quality that is not about the kind of observation that I'm talking about. The kind that I'm talking about has more of a feeling of uh, uh, failure. Whereas the kind that is taught there is you get more and more, uh, more better. I know that's a word, or it should be. You get more better at seeing your breath. Come and go. Watching your breath. So it's taught two different ways. It's taught stabilize and then begin to expand. Whereas uh, Shikantaza, which was uh, showing up uh, pro probably way before the Tibetans came along, um, is about both at the same time or alternating depending on your particular dynamic, your particular tendency to be all over the place, which probably should be watched rather than controlled. 
So that's why some people uh, love following the breath. Finally, you get some relief and have an artificial. I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm just saying this is how it looks. If the way I talk resonates with you, then you might want to consider what I'm saying. You might want to proceed based on your hearing here. And if not, trust yourself. Of the two, keep the principal witness. Do you think there's another way of doing this? A way, a better way or a more effective or accurate way or some other teacher teaching situation? Go right ahead. I don't mean to be sarcastic, but go right ahead. Do that. But if you resonate with this situation, with this particular way of talking about it, then I would say as much as you can, simply put, a very radical approach, simply put, sit down, hold still, observe. And whenever you see something moving, whatever that is, just receive that. It's like having someone come to your door, knock, and you open the door, and it's a, what the hell is that? Let them in. And if they knock on your door, then open the door. Let them in. Might be a little bit different than you would do in an actual situation because well, you can't just let everyone else in or you might end up losing your life. Not trained. To watch, watch the way. If you think about it, uh, you were going, um, you probably haven't trained goats before, but if you're going to train a goat, you might want to first watch the goat for a while. I know Kurt knows about that. He's, at least he knows about baby goats. I just heard that story. and was very envious. How would you like to have a job where your job was to watch baby goats so they get used to people? It sounds like a really good job. So, um, First, you would watch at the you would watch you would observe the chaos in your mind. Sit down, and it's called uh, basically it's called making friends with yourself. You could call it meditation. You can call it whatever you want. Sit down and hold still and watch. And sometimes that's difficult. And so I say, if someone is talking to me and they're having a lot of difficulty, I say, well, get up and go do something else. Don't make don't force the whole thing. Be go slow. Be be gentle and. Sit down, do as much as you can, and if you if you can't do any more, weeks on end, and you can't sit for twenty minutes. That's awareness. That is not right and wrong. It's awareness. The awareness. Think of this for a moment. The awareness that your mind is so chaotic and so disturbed and so full of uh, chaos, and you see that chaos, and you perhaps think, "I I can't sit here anymore." I have to, I'm going to go do some laundry or something. Excuse me. Pardon me. So that's still, that's still aware. That's awareness about that. So then I would say, come back if you're a student, and if you're a student of meditation, if you're a student of the Buddha's Dharma, if you're a student of uh, uh, this uh, man in the mountain, then come back to the cushion, sit back down, hold still, start again. 20 minutes later, get up and leave if you have to. It's always about the awareness and not about controlling or clamping down or being militaristic or chauvinistic or any other istic. Be, be gentle, be, be, or approach the situation just like your mind is a, a wild because it probably is. This doesn't mean that the person who sits down and can sit there for three or four hours and gets up and say, man, not much happened there. Uh, they should, uh, they, they should, or they might want to come and talk to me about that. And I'll congratulate it. And I'll also say it's coming because some people need to have that long time of, of uh, that kind of conditioning to sit there for a long period of time. So that when the, when the uh, thunderclap does happen, there's a lot of stillness being, uh, being uh, um, uh, appreciated. So that when that does show up, bang or when it shows up as not as a bang but a several several ruffles you know rolling thunder you've heard of that you hear that it's there's emotions that are like that i'm sure you know uh, some people some people need to immediately as soon as they hold still they, everything starts to mumble you, you, quite often people fidget a lot because if they hold very still they start to get concerned 
about what what just basic anxiety with no uh, with no subject subject and no predicate so the whole idea here is meditation meditation without particularly looking for credentials in other words without particularly looking for a, something successful in meditation it's difficult to do because this kind of training does not produce a lot of results in terms of yes i think i'm meditating right i think i'm having some signs that i'm i'm not saying there aren't other other teachings other paths other teachers that won't actually tell you these are the stages that will show up there's a there's one uh, that uh, Trump Rinpoche taught in the seven, 1973 seminary transcripts called uh, the five paths. You, you rarely hear me talk about it. I talk about it occasionally. It's really interesting, but it doesn't. The concepts there are are too. Um, they're just intimidating to someone who's just trying to what train their mind. They don't live in a monastery like he did, or maybe they do live in a monastery, but it's not like his monastery. It's it's our monastery. It's this culture's monastery. So the idea here, uh, as has been taught other places, is first settle down and do a very simple mindfulness practice. Be mindful of uh, body, mindful of mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of livelihood, uh, mindfulness of, uh, uh, I can't remember the other one, ethics. There's four of them. And, and if you read the four and you look them up, uh, different teachers will pick different one or ten paramis that are very similar to the six paramitas. And the six paramitas also line up with the bumis. And you can you can read, uh, I think, Trungpa uh, Rinpoche talks about it, which we're studying now. I think two different two different sessions a week. Uh, um, Myth of Freedom. He goes into into the paramitas and also connects those those with the bumis. Still, still conceptually, it's hard to bring that up into your awareness area without feeling like, uh, you know, you've got golf balls in your muffler. I know it's not a very successful metaphor. The way each person needs to, as far as I see it, needs to approach this uh, particular point is to uh, meet the form, set up the form. And if you live in the monastery, it's already set up for you and you, you can just align yourself with it to observe the form. If you're on your own, you can talk. I'd be happy to talk to you about that form if you're having difficulty with forms. If you're not, you'll notice that I do not call you up and ask you how you're doing, about how your form is doing. What do I do? It's not that I'm not thinking about it. I just wait. And I, I can wait for a long, long time because it's not exactly waiting in terms of time. It's just, uh, it's, it's more like it's not time yet. Rather than when are they going to the concept and trying to, um, I'm still on YouTube, but my, pardon me if you're there on YouTube, there's three people there, it seems. And now the uh, Zoom meeting is coming back, I think. It's interesting that most of their pictures are not on. Carl Witt has a polar bear on there. Oh, it's a, a little there pig. We go. It's a pig. Just technical difficulties. We're at the end of our allotment yeah, for tomorrow. Our we'll be able to be okay. Yes. But today we're we're just a shade away from okay. Uh, so where was I? Was I Choicelessness. So choicelessness is a is a part of a sitting practice. It is a part of all the paramitas, and this is what it, what it means by uh, uh, when we uh, use the word uh, uh, anu. Adhika, uh Dharma Samadhi, or Dharma Dhyana, or uh, Dharma, Dharma Shanti, uh, is, is unproduced. Uh, Anupadika, Anupadi, or Anup, um, uh, is my Sanskrit expert here? <laughs> anyway, I, I feel, I think that means, as I recall, it means unproduced, or it's, it, it is not it's not brought about. It's it's all it's fundamentally already the case. So that kind of patience, that kind of wisdom, that kind of uh, dhyana 
that kind of um, medita meditative absorption is not absorption by where you suddenly are unaware of anything. It is, it is, there isn't anything that you don't understand or you don't see. Nothing is missing. This is called absorption. This is called uh, uh, samadhi. And, and it's not a state of mind. It is not, your mind here is really crazy and not in samadhi and is not disciplined and is not being mindful and is not being aware. And suddenly, oh, now I'm really aware. Oh, there's no contrast. The the thing or the idea or the presumption or the uh, uh, grasping area that needs to be seen closely, but we have to have to get in, uh, is no. Is there a, a thinker? Is there did something arise? So she showed. Did I get that right? Anut Anutpadika. I did. Yes, Anupadika. Anupadika. I thought I had it written down, but I can't find it. I probably spelled it wrong. So unproduced, that's a good word to keep in mind for any of these, for any of the practices, so that you can see that, and this may help you, so you can see that the grasping mind is is a produced and unproduced, that you get this and you don't get that, and you're getting some of this, I'm starting to make progress on this, but not this. And the temptation to go into some kind of spiritual materialism or a gaining idea out of spiritual practices, it's just, it's really difficult. It's, it's extremely um, um, seductive to do that, to, to actually step out of your, this open dimension of your practice of just sitting down and just receiving without any particular ideation, grasping or rejecting. Uh, in your mind stream, but just whatever arises is seen, unproduced. Questions are good, Kevin. In the term absorption, I did. How does um, how would you distinguish absorption from concentration? Concentration is something you do, and absorption is something you are. There's no one who's absorbed. There's nothing to be absorbed in because nothing is separate. So the absorption is fundamental. Whereas concentration is something you're concentrating on something. You're bring, you're narrowing your awareness down to, for instance, if you're doing uh, the classical form of uh, uh, sati uh, patana or uh, some kind of a, a mindfulness where you're very aware of everything that's happening in the body. You might even scan the body. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That That's a totally appropriate classical way of training the mind. And it will, you can calm down relatively by doing that. You, you will calm down by by following anything by, but it is a, a highly uh, sophisticated form of distraction that takes you away from what I think is the fundamental object of meditation uh, is anything that arises in awareness, not what we look for as something that will, smooth things out and give us a feeling that we're more connected with our body mind complex you can have a very successful meditation that way i think uh um the fellow who in india who's, i think has passed away now who uh who was training people in uh, uh in india in prisons in india to do uh vipassana but very successful at, at transforming the lives of these men because they they were so confused and going around in circles with their crazy Stuff that when they sat down and did nothing, eyes open or wouldn't matter. Oh, eyes open, eyes closed. Well, I think he did send ten day retreats, and uh, they had profound experiences. It's, they don't last because they're 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 dependent. They're they're produced. And again, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying there isn't a time on that, but what's neat that is what needs to happen. And every meditator starts out by doing that, but then at some point, if you're not just because I'm so uh, Johnny on the spot, but if you're listening to me, I'm saying you can you can uh, keep going. You don't have to collect uh, uh, credentials. You can actually go beyond this. If death were not going to come without warning, uh, I probably wouldn't even be doing this. I would be out picking mushrooms. If I knew that three centuries from now, I'd still be picking mushrooms or polishing buffets.
scoot the cat off so you can polish the buffet. You don't see any humor in that, do you? <laughs> Kevin Bowing. I was laughing, but muted. Oh, uh, good. Stokazan. <laughs> yes. Is, you, is the technique that you sometimes teach ASAP, is that related to Vipassana in the sense of trying to find relief in the moment? Or is mm -hmm. that, is there some nuance there? Uh, you could say that. Uh, I It is a, a Vipassana uh, technique, and uh, I don't promote it necessarily. But if someone's having a lot of difficulty, rather than go into uh, something really artificial like a mantra, or go into something artificial like visualizations, or, or uh, uh, any any of those other things where we're creating some kind of a thing, just uh, just use what's already there. Uh, the sense of touch is, uh, you know, even just because you're not aware of your your butt on the cushion doesn't mean that that sensation isn't there, and it's happening now. And uh, just like your clothing, if you go to it, is, is there's already feelings there that are what ignored so that you can track your thought process. And I'm just saying, sit down, hold still and alternate between a couple of sense fields. And this will soften up whatever is arising in the mind stream without going to war with it. So in other words, uh, you're, you're giving the mind stream, which may be conflicted or confused or disturbed or anxious or any kind of negativity happening there, which can be horribly difficult to deal with. And you just include uh, bringing uh, uh, that particular sense field, the sense of thinking, uh, bringing uh, all of its relatives, sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of hearing, sense of smell, sense of seeing, bringing those. And so then then there's a, it softens everything up by doing that. I don't think that's necessarily going to move one uh, into uh, into awake some kind of a fundamental awakening. But um but and uh, it will it will work with you personally because you're not you're not leaving your you're it's still your uh, your hearing it's still the same body mind complex it's still it's your situation so it just seems to be helpful to do to do that you may do a lot of it you may do it just once in a while you may do it to kind of escape you may do it for fun you know you may think I'm bored I'm going to do something really fun I'm going to alternate between the sense of smell which is uh, the donuts that are being fried in the kitchen and the sound of the cardinal outside the window that is screaming for its baby. Uh, Toji Baling. Yes. Uh, are we doing that already when we include everything as we sit, Baling? Or is there a difference? I think, I think we're just including... But it's just a, a stylized or uh, the method. It's actually a method, so you can use those, uh, the other five sense of consciousness, the objects that are already available there. It's in the present moment, so to speak. And you're just bringing in that, uh, besides watching what is being generated in the, in the mind stream or what is just being happening, coming and going. So the randomness of it is, uh, is brought into a, given a slight form of, instead of just open randomness, which would be fine. But if you're having difficulty, if you're just having a hard time even staying on the cushion, then you can bring in a couple of things that are that are in the moment. And so you could, as uh, Kevin pointed out, uh, this it's a Vipassana. It's a Vipassana means a, uh, awareness or panoramic awareness or Maha Vipassana is, uh, is more without, uh, without any uh, identity there, without any center, without any fringe. And that kind of consciousness, uh, uh, it doesn't have an object because it isn't, it isn't anything else. There's no elseness to it. Sometimes traditionally uh, called suchness or um, uh, direct perception of emptiness or direct seeing into the nature of reality. Fancy word for something that's very ordinary. Kevin Bowen. Oh, Carl, please go. Go ahead. Carl um, As I sit here um, in relative stillness, I'm essentially watching what moves. Um, how is what I'm doing now different than she? I mean, it's. If it's very simple, uh, it's very simple. You're just black and white. I just lost the screen again. Which one, YouTube? No, YouTube is still here. There's nine people on YouTube, or nine. That's what it says. No, no when you do that, when you put the, put the arrow at the bottom. Oh, so because.
Yeah. Now yeah. put leave the arrow at the bottom so that all Thank those you. names. Are uh, Kevin Bowling earlier. So Kazan, you mentioned uh, the experience of meditation or the the paramita paramita being yes. one of defeat. And yet we also refer to it as the act or the process of making friends with oneself. Yes. They ha that has such a strong contrast. I was wondering if you could talk about the contrast between friendship and defeat. Mm -hmm. How did I, how did I characterize defeat? I think it was uh, relative to the Shine Laktong approach of like, Getting better, whereas so I, I'm saying it that way. So go ahead, please. Go ahead. Yeah, someone who's in a lot of trouble. Uh, if someone is in a lot of trouble and they're your friend, you would help them. But quite often, our own mind is in a lot of trouble. Instead of helping them, we fight with them and we want to cover them up, and we're embarrassed about them. That's that part of it. And then what was the other part of the, the other? So in, in that area, I, I think it's necessary to rather than rather than uh, have the feeling of defeat come up. This is a this is ego's interpretation of causes and conditions and relative truth. So and, and and so don't get rid of the interpretation. Just just welcome that. It's just somebody comes to the door that's not very friendly. Somebody comes to the door that is and that wants to talk to you, but is, wants to argue with you. Uh, I'm sure you all. Any of you have uh, uh, have families uh, <laughs> or neighbors? I'm just saying, stay with that as much as you can, rather than trying to correct it or judge it or, or, or find a way to manipulate it so it doesn't act like that, or so so that the t defeat situation is uh, uh, is turned into success or transmuted or something. <clears throat> it's not that it couldn't be transmuted because it's just energy, but it's too early to transmute it if it's still showing up as uh, that horrible color, horrible flavor, horrible texture, uh, horrible failure. So if you can meet that where it's at, then that's what needs to be done because nothing lasts. That If you do nothing with that passion, aggression, ignorance, grasp, reject, or shut down, this is the very nature of the three marks of existence, impermanence, that the, the, the existence of that, it just can't hang on. It needs your input. It needs your agreement. It needs your disagreement, and it or it needs you to ignore it so it continues to spin. But if you, if you're that, observe that, and are the word that comes sometimes come up is just fearless about it. I have a lot more to say about that, but I, I it doesn't seem like I can go any further. Uh, uh, what what is this called? Uh, auto de fe? <laughs> no, that's not it. Auto de fe might work, not in this case. Uh, autonomously so questions would help me if you if you have if you have interest in that area pull pull me into that with you and i'll try to you know, maybe give you a few words of that might help you i don't know Maria Bang. yes um, when i ask you today a question about relaxation when i feel the grip of karma in my throat uh, it, it came actually out of that question uh, about when can I and how can I determine to stay with that feeling? As right now, you are, you, it seems to me that you are suggesting to actually stay with it as much as you can. Yes. Um, versus yeah. trying to relax it. It seems to me that I'm relaxing. I'm kind of losing an opportunity of uh, of being with it. So my question is basically. Uh, how to um, uh, make a decision is not a good one, but this is the one which comes to me. How to decide whether to kind of stay with it despite of discomfort or or relax and uh, and just have some some temporary freedom of it. So, so I. I think it's there's so much subjectivity going on there. I would just say, just trust yourself. Do what you need to do. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to live up to, but but it should be. Uh, but don't don't make things hard on yourself by by forcing anything. 
uh, forcing yourself to be this way or practice in this way or just do it, do it very slowly. You've been practicing a long time. And I, when I say that, I, I just mean that you know you know what your what your mind you know is about. Only you really going to know how to how to work with that. That doesn't mean you shouldn't ask me about it. Uh, if I'm functioning as your teacher, then you should. But I may come back to you and say you need to look at that yourself. And if someone else, I might give them very definite a protocol or instructions about it. And just because they they may be something saying something very similar, but because of their personal dynamic, they need some other kind of support that I don't think you need. Not not in this question. Thank you. Thank you. So, Bowing. Yes, so You spoke of a teacher in Detroit, I think he was a Zen teacher that you went to visit, who had the same teacher as you um, that learned basically the same practices. And you said, I meditated and he meditated. Hmm. And I wonder if you could talk about the difference between the way the two of you meditated. Following. I'm not sure I'm following about, I did go and practice. Unyo and I both uh, years ago went over and sat a, a session who was a, uh, a student of, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, is that who you're talking about? Because. You know. So I'm not sure who it was. It might not have been the Detroit teacher, but it was somebody who I think uh, was a student of Trungpa. Oh, okay. And and what what was the question again? So Graham Bowing, you said I meditated and he meditated and sort of inferred that this is where you are in your understanding. He may hmm. not have achieved that with the same okay. teaching. Bowing. Okay, so I I I'm not I haven't claimed to achieve anything. Uh I I get my I get permission to talk about this from you guys. So so there's no there's no achievement in the conventional sense of uh, accomplishing something. I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. Um I see they 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 might be less confused than they were but they still have a kind of confusion going on where they even though they've practiced heavily for many many years but they they but they're still spinning and they're still looking for what? Something else. They haven't seen what's right in front of them. So I'm not sure if this is helpful to you. The only That's the only claim I, I'm making about anything other than, of course, I wear this and I'm ordained as a monk and I was given Dharma transmission. What else to do with me? More or less. Because I was not their student. So it's, as I sometimes say, I'm saying right now, I, I teach out of what I see, not, not out of what I know. Yet what I read, uh, the things that we're reading as a sangha, my what I see lines up with those concepts, including I'm still studying uh, Rinpoche. I don't agree with everything Rinpoche did. I think he did the best ripped out of his throne, irritating to somebody who was born a king. He gets to be a nobody in India for a while. So I, I don't know if that's the area. Um because it's uh it's just a matter of that's why I say to you 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 don't have you don't even have to be a have to receive that you you evaluations and your fear of death on top of everything everyone realize who you are and it's not that while we're in the bottle we aren't gonna but you're gonna have to get up here and adjust it make it larger and if you would please and then also uh put the leave the pointer at the bottom so everybody's name will stay on okay and you can read the questions uh, let's see do you think my art practice will interfere with my progress toward awakening write music and poetry stand-up comedy so you know there's a lot of ego involved yeah yeah i'd go for it keep doing that it's not oh, about wait, okay wait a minute okay it's not about getting rid of ego it's about seeing that it's unreal keep it around it'll be more funny Okay, I was just responding to a, a question on uh, YouTube yeah, from uh, um, Tom Colley. Hope that helped, Tom. 
So further question about that, Mrs. Okaran? Kevin Bowie. Oh, yeah. Sokoen, you go, you go. Sokoen Bowie. Um, so then you said that um, if you think you're doing Shikantaza, you're not. Yeah. So um, if we are meditating correctly, will we not, not know that? Um, when I say you're, if you think you're doing it, you're not. I'm not saying when you get done or when you start to meditate that you don't have an idea what shikantaza is. And when you get up, you can look back over your sitting practice and realize, yeah, you probably were just uh, in a state of observing things. But while you're doing it, you might not get much of a credential while you're doing it because it's it, it doesn't the whole awareness structure doesn't function that way. So you might not be able to have a, a sideline that's coming along checking on you as you go along. That's why it's called a practice. So you're, 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 you are, you are, you are immersed in this. You're immersed, you're immersing yourself in your mind stream, not as a, as a being, uh, as a separate being. And that takes some time because that separate being wants to be there to evaluate and judge. And so that's why the shikantaza can, it may look like shamatha practice. It may look like mind, may look like resting in tranquility for, three days, three weeks, three years, depending on your particular, depending on the karma that you bring into this, uh, into this uh, um, realm of desire. It depends on that. So therefore, rather than give everybody a blanket thing, uh, which was, uh, which the way quite often is the way teachers do, excuse me, it doesn't make them wrong. It just means that I just think it's better to just do it an open way. So then you kind of decide how much you want to maybe come back and just watch your breath. I mean, you know, for instance, you could do it. It's chicken and Just watch your breath for half an hour. You're watching what moves, but it should come out of your awareness to do that. Not out of some old man in a chair that, you know, lives a hundred miles away saying, yeah, you should do it this way. Not a good idea. It's a good idea to have an old man sitting in a chair that you can talk to when things get knotted up or twisted up or get confusing so that you can have someone to ask about it. But the practice is yours. When you sit down and face the wall, and I would even go so far as to say, even though I say, keep your eyes open because that you need that, that sense field because that's the way we live. We don't live with our eyes closed. But if you personally need to close your eyes, you should close them. You don't have to explain to me anything. And I would say generally you should keep them open, but you might have to close them and open them and close them and open them. You could get an idea about uh, a more uh, subjective idea of what is happening there in your mind stream. Just like I, if you say you're getting sleepy, I don't give you a technique for not falling asleep. I always say fall asleep. You, that's, that's being aware of falling asleep is still awareness. Yes. I occasionally hear people say that they are not afraid of death mm -hmm. or that they are not afraid of dying. Yeah. And when you say that you guys are afraid of death, um, can you say more about what it is we're afraid of, bowing? Well, you may not. The people who tell you they're not afraid of death uh, uh, just may be shutting it out and they're not afraid of the concept of death. Because, of course, we all know everybody's going to die. How many times have you had that conversation? Well, we all die, you know, well, of non-existence. So they, they feel that way. They're just, it's going to feel just genuine. They're going to feel like, yeah, me and I have my opinions, my ideas. And you actually, even though you're uh, a fool. More questions if you have them. It's not that late. Kevin Bowling. When I contemplate choicelessness in my own life i can see how that slips into a credential like i'm being choiceless here how how can we work with or, or what, what's the difference between true choicelessness and not choosing something yeah well not choosing something could show up as patience you're just you're just watching you're just watching it you might you might feel a little impatient, but if you don't do anything about it, then, you know, there, then there's more, uh, more, uh, you'll notice how things just continue. You can't, you can't not help people. 
I mean, you, you might not, uh, like I said, you might not open the door and let murderers into your house. You might peek through the door and say, do you guys murder anybody or just checking? <laughs> arisen and it's choiceless because we you can't see the first cause of everything and so uh, the ego mind doesn't like not being able to see first cause it doesn't like being just uh, one wave in the ocean it wants to be the important wave with a certain kind of stuff on the top and, and uh, five fish inside the wave real special wave it doesn't want to be the ocean but it's not it's it's kind of a little bit of a dumb metaphor but if you contemplate it for a while, it tends to fit. Kevin Bowing, what is the, what's the difference between choicelessness and procrastination? Procrastination, you know, like that. Just you're just one, uh, and you keep avoiding it or looking away. And, and it's not again. This is a very important area. It's not wrong if you try to stop. If you, if you use the label procrastination to help scold yourself or something like that, it, it might be better to give that a different name for a while to find out so you can see more deeply what the, what the substructure, the understructure, or the, the, uh, um, the basis of that. If there's some kind of a basis there that all procrastination would go away or disappear. That, that, that would also be uh, dependently arisen. He shut his picture off, so I think he's starting to sob. So in the, what um, Kevin brought up, if you said call it something else, would you call it something that seems more close to or just some arbitrary word? I, I would use, I generally use it. When I talk about renaming something, I'm saying just get away from any kind of attribution or any kind of uh, uh, analysis or you know something, usually something just uh, silly or absurd works fine so that you actually you can talk about it call it uh, uh you know uh, green jello uh, i'm being a little silly but i'm saying if you if you do that you'll notice there's some kind of a shift about that especially if you continue to do it uh, and it won't solve it for you you might have to change the name a few times but it has something about the structure of blaming procrastinating again as soon as you say there i go again this is a this is a uh, a, a very powerful form of uh, uh, grasping and of self-centeredness and of just re revitalizing, sending all kinds of nutrition into your ego mind is to accuse yourself of something. Uh, like, like you're that important, you have that much power. There's this wonderful person that procrastinates. Look closely. My uh, yes. You mentioned recently um, a should Times familiar with it, uh, could you please uh, explain the function and what, what is that reverse meditation? I'm not sure what you, I'm not saying I didn't say that. I probably did, but I'm sure, not sure what I was, what kind of storyline I was creeping up on there. I said reverse meditation. Huh? I, I think you mentioned it in the context of Tonglen practice. Oh, okay. Well, in Tonglen, I, I don't teach Tonglen, and I and don't misunderstand. I don't think if people want to do Tonglen, they should just do it all the time. There's all kinds of great books on it. Pema's written books on it. Trungpa's written all kinds of um, things on it. And, and of course, uh, um, uh, teaches uh, Seven Points of Mind Training. That's the go-to book. Uh, and also Shanti Deva and so on. So there's a lot of that. And it's just that I think taking in negativity, uh, you know, your ide ideal about negativity, taking it in on your breath you take a breath in to take in negativity and send out positivity uh that i think that's a that's a powerful misunderstanding about the nature of deep consciousness and so i would say uh if you want to use uh that then yes send out positive energy but don't take in negative energy if you're listening to me it's not not a good idea and and i'm not trying to scare anybody is if I could, but it's a big world. And that area called the Bardo um, in between uh, lifetimes is uh, it's filled with uh, energy. And some of that energy thinks it's somebody. 
And if it, if it, if, if your particular style is to do this and you, and your particular consciousness is more porous than someone else, you're inviting that energy in. And that energy is not about having you transform it. Am I saying that correctly? I'm talking to my sage over here. Oh, yeah, Boeing. Yes. Um, I, I was thinking in the context of um, taking in pain and being with the pain, even when if the pain is seems to be unbearable. It, is it the same idea as the one which you described? I'm not interested in practicing Tonglen, but I'm just thinking whether it can be applied to some other areas like working with pain, for example. Um, the, the only thing I can come up with there that, that and I may have said it in a, a different way or this way is just if there's really difficult pain, uh, go into the pain rather than shut. I mean, actually, it's be the pain. Don't have the pain and create a person who because then then the, 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 the desire to wish to get out of there is so intense. Go in and be the be the pain. Yell. I mean, if it gets difficult, we're going to just be the pain. And just like uh, when when death comes without warning, be the death, die, struggle not. If when the time comes, go for it. Maybe the first time you life first lifetime you've ever done that. It's it's just part of the life and death are not two different things. They just. Uh, look like it and it's pretty intense contrast isn't it that's where we get our, our get our belief in in exists and doesn't exist we believe things exist and other we believe other things don't exist misunderstanding and and we can most people are just avoid this uh, their whole life. They just avoid that and they do whatever they want to do with their life, depending on whatever the karma that brought them into this uh, into this uh, realm uh, will allow them to do or put them in line to do. Some people are, uh, we call them lucky, and other people are not so lucky, but there's no people. There's just causes and conditions manifesting as um, this. You're, if you're listening to this, you have the opportunity to, to understand this deeply and, and live a open, uh, compassionate, and fearless life. Or you may do something. You may, you may, you, you may be noticeable to your neighbors. You may not be. You may be famous. You may be a nobody. There's not very many famous waves. That's what they used to call the, what was it, the Women Navy Corps, was called the Waves. They had to depersonalize them somehow. Are we, are we done? Are there more questions? Are there any more questions? Are there any more answers? I had a question, if, if no one else wanted to ask one. Go ahead, Kevin. Earlier, so Kazanya, you mentioned uh, you said your monastery is not like Trunk Rinpoche's monastery that Sokokochi is for this culture. Yeah. And yet there are elements in terms of uh, wardrobe or decoration that have the patina of another culture. So I'm curious yeah. uh, when those trappings are helpful for meditation compared yeah. to uh, a Western approach. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting area. Uh, it's uh, and I've, I'm sure other teachers look at it too. I uh, can't think of the one woman's name who did away with all the uh, no no more Buddhas in the shrine room and just use a rock and and you know no phantasmagoria. So some people go the other way and want to do away with it totally. And uh, all I do is look at it as a form. And uh, for me, um, um, there's some forms that are in traditionally in monasteries that. That I don't uh, follow. One of them is a functional speech. Uh, functional. I think that's that's too much about controlling people. It's too military, and uh, it's basically it's treating people like children instead of like adults. So I don't do that. So if you come to our monastery, the only time you're going to be quiet is if you're facing the wall. 
And if you get up off the wall, you probably are going to be quiet during uh, a chanting because that's what people are doing. And also you can come and go. You don't have to wait outside and meditate outside when it's time to come in like some kind of a, it's just too, so I'm, I have eliminated a lot of the controlling things. Having done this for many decades in a form, uh, an area where the form is very tight, not only the Zen tradition, uh, several different experiences of that, but also the, the Shambhala tradition, the Vajradhatu tradition. Um, and so that is modified. It seems to be, I want to keep some of the uh, traditional uh, accoutrement, the, the robes. Uh, I'm not decided about giving Dharma transmission, how I'm going to do that yet. I don't decide things. So I don't mean to like, oh, I'm this wonderful guy. It doesn't decide anything. I'm not saying that. I said, I can't. I can't do anything unless, until I know. And I, and I don't, I won't know until I know. And then when I know, then, then that's what I'll do. But I don't really think that much. I'm not promoting not thinking. Uh, I'm just saying it. That's how it shows up here. I, it's like I'm, I'm given this position by others. You give me that. You give me the opportunity to do this. I can't do this without you. And I certainly don't have anything to sell you. I don't have any propaganda other than I say, train your mind. And here's how you can do it. And I'll help you with your permission. So just like in uh, Oriyoki, I like the Oriyoki style. That Oriyoki practice comes from ancient Japan. And I noticed uh, uh, Trunk Rinpoche liked it too. He had uh, Kobenchino teach it to his uh, sangha. I was there, and um, and but I, the thing that I don't care for about that it's it's just too formal. It doesn't lo- allow the formal formality to come out of the sangha. Instead, the for- the sangha has to conform to the formality, which is uh, I didn't spend four years in the Marine Corps for nothing to see the uselessness of that kind of confirmation, conforming to some rigid law where nobody can do anything wrong. Um, so it's interesting if you have adults in a room and they're practicing Oriyoki, that when it, if somebody needs to ask a question about, do I, where do I put this uh, uh, spoon or something? Does this go on this side or this side? Someone connects to you can say, yeah, it moves over here. Or even the, the, the leader could say, you could do this, you could do that. And uh, someone might occasionally uh, do something funny. Or, so that's always uh, available. But it's interesting that after doing this for years, uh, it's basically quite quiet. And, and there are people tap, talk a little bit, but it's very low, no gossip, particularly. Uh, there's no gossip in, in our monastery in Sokokoji. Uh, when I say none, of course, there's always going to be some. It's it's pretty low. It's pretty low level of people talking uh, about others and so on. And so there, there's, uh, there's a whole lot of areas uh, that I think are valid. Uh, I think some of the tantric practices, I, I, I want to include those, but they, they're only showing up very show, very slowly. Like uh, the one that we've been doing is the Sadhana Mahamudra, which is uh, the thing that, uh, as you know, the, the one that came to uh, fully, <laughs> fully born, like a Garuda to uh, Trungpa Rinpoche at Tagsang in 1968, which he kind of downloaded from the Dharmadhatu. And, uh, so I really want to include that. So it's been a very powerful practice for me over the years. And then um, I don't know if there is there anything specific that that we're doing or that you want to ask about or because some of the forms are still changing even now. There's some changing. Kevin Bowing. No, I was just interested in in the phrase of monastery for our culture. Yeah. To me, I guess, you know, being less rigid, allowing for people to come and go and trust themselves. Yes. Uh, but within that, there's still the, the some of the pageantry or costumes yeah. or aesthetic of, of another yeah. culture, which we're there incorporating. Is. Yeah. And just, uh, yes, just like the robes in uh, China came to Japan and then they mixed with the Shinto and uh, the, the robes in ancient China were not like the ones in India. So there's this crisscross going back and forth, and uh, and we're and, and look at the texts that we study; they're from all over the place, and so we're studying. We aren't just studying Zen texts; we're studying everything. We're studying the the early uh, Theravadan texts and uh, and so on. And but I I think uh, things can tighten up in some ways and loosen up in others, just depending on uh, how this looks. Um, 
so some of the things that are like uh, when I met Kerry Gary Roche, I'll go in, uh, prostrate, do three prostrations in front of him, uh, sit down in uh, full lotus, which I couldn't do in front of him, and then ask your question. When you get your response, he'll, if he wants you to talk to any, anymore, he will. And if not, get up, do three more prostrations and leave. That was in 1974. So that, that was my first introduction. Of course, uh, it was uh, it was difficult. So we don't do that if somebody comes to have uh, an interview, which is called Dokazan. Um, if somebody wants to do three prostrations, I don't mind. Go ahead. So some people do that because it helps them. Maybe they learned that early on or they saw it or they want to do that, but it's not required. Uh, I do require it of uh, people who are fully ordained as monks. So the people who come in who are monks, they prostrate three times. But, it, you know, if they came in and said, I don't really want to prostrate anymore, or if I, they come in and they forget to prostrate, I do not remind them. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't uh, enforce any forms. So if people are starting to not do a form. I watch them. And then I might after a year or so, I might ask them about it. So why are you smoking weed in front of the altar? Is there a reason for that or? I'm being silly, of course, but I'm saying some forms, I, I watch them long enough because I'm trying to understand what is the very, my, my motivation fundamentally is to help people as much as I can and not force a bunch of forms down their throat. So I want to see, do, and I, talk, I interact with uh, my close students, uh, Kozan, Unyo, Chezan, Shoka, about these forms so because they have their insight into it. So rather than just saying, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing, I say, what do you think? How, do you, how does this look to you? because they're all going to be here probably a lot longer than I am. So to try, to try to try to use the form in such a way that it's fundamentally helpful, uh, but it isn't just paying homage to the Soto Shu in Japan. I don't care what they think. Uh, I, I'm part of that. I had a, I had a, a Soto Zen teacher. And as far as I'm concerned that if he's not alive, but he would be the only one that I would be concerned about what he thought. I'm not, I don't care what uh, the head uh, Soto uh, Shu in Japan uh, says. I mean, if they were to come and say, you can't do it this way, this is not the way it's done. So, same thing with Tibetan. Uh, if I want to teach somebody to do uh, tantric practices, I'm not going to go find a Lama to get permission. I may never teach that. I mean, I've already taught some, but the one there's some of them say, if you read the, read the liturgy, oh, make sure you don't, don't do this because uh, somebody, you know, because you got to have some kind of a lineage going back. Well, I respect the lineage. So, but there's some things in there that are just a little bit too crisp and need to be dipped in warm milk. Any other questions? Or Kevin, anything else about? Yeah. Kevin, did I miss anything about that you were thinking of specifically? No, that was very spot on okay johnny on the spot thank you thank you kevin who uh, anna maria did you have a question yes yes thank you um anna maria Bowie. you mentioned earlier and you've mentioned in the past before about um tonglin and your caution to invite the uh the pain and the suffering of the peace this darkness in um how is that different than when we sit and we are in moments of intense suffering and dark night of the soul, if you will, um, how is that different? It's, it, I'm a little confused because when you well, say don't invite well, spirits in, it, it implies a, an ownership, an otherly. And a, what I'm saying, so, here's what I'm saying. Let me, let me respond and maybe I can clarify it. What I'm saying is I don't promote Tonglen and Tonglen is riding the breath, and it's a very impersonal mechanical technique where when uh, breath goes out, you send out all the vibes of kindness and love and happiness and, and, and raise the world. And when the breath comes in, you take in all the horrible negativity uh, into yourself. And the idea is that you transform that into wisdom and send it back out, and the breath comes and goes. And there have been teachers forever who have been teaching this. But if you're if you have some idea of what's happening in those realms and you know that some people, not all of them, most people can do this and are fine. 
And whether it's transforming anybody or not, we don't know, but it's probably helping the person because it changes because ego doesn't want to do this. Ego doesn't want to give away all of its happiness and take in all the gunk. So from a, a conceptual idea, it's a great practice, but it's just that everybody can't do this. And I think to teach it, actually have some people do this practice, but I don't teach it as a blanket practice because I want to meet people where they're at and find out some people are way too sensitive to, to do this. Some people can't even really can't even do the sadhana mahamudra. It's too intense. That's a tantric practice, and it's it's uh and it it handles negativity in a totally different way than uh, than the most mahayana practices. So, so I'm I'm in, I'm not trying to do away with uh, tantrism, but as far as your question, I would say I'm not inviting spirits in. I'm just saying it's just the the thing inviting in negativity. That if you have a lot of porous um, I'm just using this as a way of talking about it. Uh, in your consciousness, you're not particularly protected there. Uh, then negative energy that manifests as uh, it can manifest as other uh, identities can get in and, and cause you trouble. I have talked, I've been talking to people about their practice since 1978, and I met lots of people who have great difficulty with uh, other worlds. I don't talk about it much because um, what am I going to say? There's nothing. Thing to say other than I'll help you. If I, if I talk to you, I'll help you with it. But as far as what you're saying there, uh, Anna Maria, I would just say, um, uh, as we've talked many times before, don't you, if you're having a lot of negativity, get up, don't stay there. Don't, don't force anything. And then maybe come back later and look. And also uh, when I say uh, you're having intense pain or suffering, I'm saying if the pain or suffering is physical, mental, or whatever it may be, the best direction, if it's already being, you're being put upon by the thing like hammers on your head, um, instead of covering up, fighting, backing off, going away or something like that, uh, you may have to just go into the texture of the pain and just be the pain. But that's much different than inviting in. I don't invite any spirits in. Uh, the only spirits I would invite in are bodhisattvas. They're welcome to come. And Maria Valley, how do you be the pain? Yeah, uh, you can you can dis- you can disappear into the into the pain where there's no one, there's just pain, all pervasive. It's just all pervasive. It's very, very similar to the three types of pain, uh, called the pain of pain, which is physical pain and, uh, the pain of alternation, which is, uh, everything is going, uh, really cool and you're having a good time, except you're totally freaked out because that won't last. So in other words, you're happy, but you're, 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 you're upset in the middle of your happiness because it's not going to last in permanence. And then there's the pain of the, of, uh, the composite, which, uh, uh, as I said, traditionally, the first Bhumi Bodhi, Bodhisattva is the one who can see the pain of the, of, the, of the composite because they're not no longer a separate being. So therefore, they're an open door to everything, all the horrible things that are happening everywhere. Um, I don't know how they live through it because uh, you're, you, you've actually reached a, a situation, you could say, if you wanted to call it, call it a reaching where you're not separate from anything. For the, so therefore, any kind of difficulty or suffering that's coming up uh, has got your number. So you, you may ha- you have to be working with it in that way. All that being said, each person here, you and other people, have their own area of, of dependent origination called karma from the third horn. That is all powerful energy that is on the move. And if that starts to show up in your, in your mind stream and you fight with it, or try to cover it up, passion, aggression, ignorance, you do anything with it, it tends to go underground or overground and it keeps to, and will keep uh, giving you difficulty or haunting you. So this is why awareness practice is so powerful. It just takes a lot of time to be able to train the mind to see clearly and not uh, uh, go to war with that negative energy. Excuse me. And you know, working with uh, the way we do, if we have somebody who's really desperate in that area, we do deep consciousness work with them and try to help them find a way to work with that in a, in a deeper level than just a sitting practice of meditation. Further question, Anna Maria? Yes, when you're, when you're faced with that kind of intense pain, whether it's your own or somebody else's, how do you receive without absorbing? Well, it might be absorbing. Uh, it, it, the absorbing still has a relative absorber and something being absorbed. 
But I'm saying if you're not separate from it, then, then you just are that. So you haven't absorbed anything. You're just no longer separate from that. Just like uh, extreme uh, joy or extreme, uh, just like having a, sometimes a sexual or, uh, orgasm can be described as just an extreme feeling, a good feeling. Uh, just like the other one of extreme uh, suffering, you're, you're, it's a, a situation that you have the opportunity to, to just not be separate from it. Isn't something else happening? Of course, maybe some of you are. Maybe some of you have never had those organisms. So, <laughs> too bad. Thank you, Sophie. You're welcome. Onya's laughing because she's. I've said something embarrassing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna uh, dedicate the merit. Dedicate the merit and do something else with our lives. <clears throat> Where's my stick? Sanga families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone with some happy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 